really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby. As you have undoubtedly surmised by now, this is not your regular weekly episode, but is in fact yet another bonus episode. And this time, it's the return of one of rugby's true good guys, the general manager for my beloved New England Free Jacks, the aptly named Mr. Tom Kindly. Tom, how the heck are you? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Great intro. Uh, glad to be here. It's a it's a real honour to be on. So, yeah, really looking forward to having a chat, mate. So, how are your family doing? Are they are they back in Otago? And how often do you actually get to see them? Yeah, well, so I just saw them. Uh, my wife and I we we uh, jetted back in week two of preseason for a quick wedding. Uh, one of my best mates was getting married, so I was able to see been three years and one month since i'd seen them just after the 2019 wow. rugby world cup yeah so um yeah i was able to get in the water and, and spend some you know really really special time with family and friends so yeah mate it was it was really really good to see them but yeah i don't get to see them that often obviously so um but that's all right you know we stay in touch as you can imagine have they been to a free jacks game no and they would love to but as I think I told them, like, uh, just the, the with their work periods and stuff and our summer at just at our summer here. And so they ended right. up coming over and visit to visit for the first time in August, which is a great month to be in New England, um, just after sort of the, you know, the, the peak of the heat. So uh, they, they love that. But sadly, they didn't. We, I took them to Fort Quincy um, and showed them nice. all around the facilities and stuff. But sadly, yeah. Uh, they haven't been to a game as much as they'd love to. Dad's offered though to come over, uh, pay his way, and um, and and run the waters uh, for trainings and stuff. And I'm actually, oh. I'm, I'm he's serious. <laughs> like he would do it if that I. That sounds awesome. Yeah, if I allow it. So he's about to retire, do I take so. it there? Do I take it there? Rugby fans. Uh, I, I'm assuming rugby is just kind of hard to avoid in New Zealand. It must be like the opposite of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is yes, and 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 Dad certainly was a is and was a rugby man. Um, he he played a lot of Premier Club rugby games, and and his oh. his dad and granddad were both life members of our local um, club. So um, yes, but sadly, none of the none of their three children, uh, all boys, my, me and my two brothers, were very good at the code. So um, <laughs> yeah, we probably let him down there. Why are Kiwis so good at rugby? It's a nation of just over 5 million people, as opposed to, say, New York City, which by itself has more than 8 million people. Was it? What is it about this game that resonates so strongly with New Zealanders? Why is it such an interwoven piece of the national identity? Yeah, great question. I probably won't do it justice, but I <laughs> guess... Um, I think there's probably a couple of reasons. Like New Zealand's a relatively new country, so you know rugby probably arrived not that long after, uh, if not it had a very similar similar time to the European settlers. Um, so I, th I think that's one part of it. It's such a small country geographically, so it's very easy to play to you know find and play your local opposition. Um, mm. And we've got you know all of these cities and towns with kind of eight to ten to twelve to six clubs dotted around in um, close proximity and yeah then I, I think it's just the the proud tradition that that's been built and it's just such a uh, yeah an important part of growing up as a Kiwi kid and then I think the final part is Kiwis are pretty good I reckon at, at just getting in and getting stuff done and, and there's a sport that requires that so that's probably is the, the, yeah is there like a, a giant killer attitude because it's such a small nation you know geographically and population wise the idea of beating the englands of the world is is, is that part of it too just the like mm, we're gonna get them yeah yeah um i think i would say that actually 
we're nearly naive to the world and forget <laughs> that there's a whole big world out there, you know, like we're all confined to our small walls of New Zealand. But I'd imagine if you're representing your country, there's, yeah, like obviously there's the Australian rivalry is a massive one. And then the English, yeah, I imagine there's nothing nothing more exciting than being able to cut those guys down at the at the knees. But uh, yeah, I'd say in general, they're, we're pretty close-minded and focused on our own thing, eh? So currently, New Zealand are ranked third in the world, edging out South Africa by literally the slimmest possible margin in the rankings. Ireland and France are both ranked higher. Do you think that's accurate right now? Yeah, so th- just repeat that last couple. So the two teams. Sorry, I said uh, New-, New Zealand are third, yeah. Ireland and uh, Ireland's number one, and France is number two. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah, yeah, I probably do. Um, yeah, obviously Ireland have are coming off some magnificent campaigns, aren't they? So, you know that that's been, and whether or not they can keep that up is probably to be seen, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, th- I think New Zealand has been a, in a little bit of a slump, to be honest. I think that sort of reflects a lot of different talking points around. I see um, my my team, your team, and my team, the Highlanders, just signed um, the English fly half, Freddie. Is it Freddie? Freddie Stewart. Freddie Stewart. Um, and and that probably goes to, you know, probably indicates that we're in a little bit of trouble and some things aren't happening quite the way they should. Um, yeah, so obviously for, I think France are a powerhouse and they can never seem to quite pull it together uh, in the big tournaments. But um, yeah, I'd say it probably isn't too far off. Eh? Well, I, I'm so tempted to just completely follow my nose down that rabbit hole and get into all that. But we're here to talk free jacks. Um, Last side note on that, though, do you actually follow international rugby? Are you an all-black supporter? Or are you too deeply immersed in what you're doing here in the MLR to pay attention to, to any other competitions, really? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the, the competition that I follow avidly is NPC. Um, okay. And then, yeah, Super Rugby. I mean, it's hard hard not to because it's, it's blasted all over all my news feeds and everything. And, and now... With my good friend Ryan, I've even Ryan Martin being uh, with Toyota Verblitz, I've been following a bit of the Japanese um, mm. top league competition, which has been cool, but certainly not the the premiership. I'd say a lot of Kiwis well, couldn't tell you, you know, seventy five percent of the teams in the in the premiership and and stuff like that. Well, I so, think I think they lost seventy five percent of their teams this year anyway. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. They did, they did, yeah. So that that's was another. Talk, that's a, I mean that no, that's another. That's another great point. Like and yeah, the the financial state of rugby and that's a, yeah, it's a very topical thing. So this is actually a little bit awkward, but with the USA out of the picture for the next men's World Cup, is that actually good for Major League Rugby? Like just in terms of not losing players to the national camp. Of course, the Free Jacks, we've got some players who represent Namibia. They're going to be in the World Cup. Have you already made plans for how to deal with absences for these players? Yeah, great, great question. And, and uh, I think we've got sort of our end date with the July 8th grand final actually works relatively well with World Cup preparation um, where they're going to be assembling sometime in July and and some teams are going to start probably late June or um, mm. potentially even earlier for some of the big nations. But I think for the tier two nations like Namibia, um, the USA, if they were, were to have been to qualify, um, it's actually not a bad finish. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a bad finish date. Um, so, it, yeah, no, to be honest, uh, there, there were a lot of conversations about MLR working out when their grand final was going to be and, and mm. taking into account. So it definitely makes it easier from that point of view. Um, but eventually we're going to have to, that'll be something that'll be woven into, you know, our, our DNA. Are you part of those, those larger conversations about the schedule with, with the league as a whole? I, I wouldn't say part of them, but privy to them probably. Nice. So, um, and often the league will come to us with questions for feedback and, and they're yeah, been really receptive to that, which is, which has been great. So, yeah. So TK, as you know, I always try to find at least one tiny little tidbit somewhere that I can surprise you with. And in this, 
the timing turned out pretty good because I saw that on January 24th, as we're talking now, this was just two days ago, you were given an award by the University of Otago, who then did a brief, uh, did a brief Q&A with you for their alumni site. Can you tell us about what I think is called the 2020s awards and what it meant to you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that, I think that, might have been a couple, so that date a couple of years ago or something, yeah. Really? Maybe. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, may, at least one year ago, but maybe maybe a couple. But um, oh man, know, it the, does. They, they literally took until two days ago to update their alumni website. Maybe that's the problem. Oh, uh, that might be it. Yeah. Um, no, mate, you do impress me with with your research. That's that's fantastic and uh, really really um, well well thought out questions, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so no, I've, I haven't got a good story for you there my mum nominated me for the award uh <laughs> and and she works at the university so uh, probably see probably shoots yeah probably shoots down that award really eh? after we finish talking is, is she gonna call you and say yeah i i updated the website yeah well she's a journalist too so she could well have done <laughs> just keeps getting worse eh? well it, it, hey it's an award we'll, we'll take it right yeah, so, I will take it. Take what you can so get. The uh, the last time we spoke, I think your job title was FreeJack's performance manager, but that changed this off season. Can you talk about you know on a practical level what has changed for you day to day? Let me guess, same pay, tons more work. <laughs> yeah, so it's gone uh, trainee um, in the field in the field of sports business and high performance sport. That's what I initially was with the FreeJacks um for the 20 for 2019 into 2020 and then they changed my job title to performance manager and i was doing a lot more recruitment um mm. and essentially i was kind of doing you know a lot of the roles of a general manager in terms of running the team recruiting the team um overseeing the staff and whatnot but a, a very raw one you know someone just new to that space so when there's a, a player you know in the npc and and the, the free jacks as an organization have targeted them is it you on the phone who calls and says hey we're really interested in you we want to talk to you or is it somebody else yeah t typically and unless a coach has a you know a relationship with the player that's really significant but even then you know the coach will have a chat to them and say hey we're keen to get you on board have a chat to tk and he'll talk you okay. through what it looks like so um, yeah, so I, I do that. Um, yeah, and then so they changed my job title to performance director after that. Um, yeah, and I don't really know why. Because <laughs> um, it's easier than giving you a raise. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, and then general manager this year, which was cool because I think um, it was sort of probably, a, yeah, like nearly a. Uh, indicative that I've done okay, which is which is great. So, um, yeah, uh, I think my role now I've got a team manager for the first time. So now, instead of me being doing both of those roles, I've got a team manager, uh, Javier Martin, uh, who was a um, BC Boston College Masters grad student. Oh. Um, so yeah, he interned with us last year and. He's been a really great addition to the team and it was a great way of onboarding him because he got a whole year of seeing how we roll and then, you know, uh, then the next year is into it. So that was that was kind of perfect. Oh, that's excellent. So, you know, any average sports fan, anyone who follows sports probably has at least some idea of what a general manager does and how much work it is. But there must be aspects of the job that the ordinary person, somebody like me, just doesn't know about. You know what are the some of the, what are some of the things you end up doing in your current capacity that someone like me might find surprising? Yeah, so I think this competition has like we could nearly have an operations team, I reckon, of like twelve people. The amount of ops we have to go through, so like setting up housing for forty, um, short-term leases uh, in the Greater Boston area. Uh, across seven months for 40 individuals is a daunting task. Oh my gosh. Um, and then let alone furnishing it. Uh, so that that takes us the guts of, you know, three to four months through that time where in contract negotiations with not only players, but staff 
um, and getting all that stuff done. And, and most players are represented now by an agent. So you're not, you know, you're speaking to a middleman uh, a lot of the time. Um, yeah, so that's definitely the off-season, um, although it's, it's quite nice in that it's flexible and, and you can sort of, um, you can create your own schedule and you can, you can work from wherever um, pretty much. It's still pretty hectic getting all that stuff in place. Mm. Um, and then once players are here, uh, for example, this year, we're about 55% returning players, 45% new players. So that's a whole lot of admin that players need to get through. You know, they need right. bank accounts, phone numbers, social security. How do they get utilities? then someone hasn't set up their utilities and then their electricity goes out. Then someone's driving a company re rental vehicle and then they drive, drive over a pothole and they've got a flat tire and it's 11 PM at night, yeah. um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that stuff. And then we get through that and then we get into finally get into the games, which is the easy part for me really. And that's just your week to week workflow and managing, um, you know, I guess the the business, um, not in the in the way or sense that Mag Mags our CEO does, but certainly like constant, we're always in constant communications with our marketing department, our sponsorship team, and and making sure that we're really growing the brands um, across the broad across across the board rather, and you know, even wheels in the community stuff. I've had a lot to do, um, which I've sort of been able to to pass on a, a little bit this this past six months but um yeah mate that, that's probably a bit of an overview so there's always something i think every single thing you mentioned was something i would not have thought of <laughs> the flat tire thing like you like you really need that phone call right but who, who else is going to answer <laughs> I think so, my favorite my favorite story was once we had a, a player that arrived to his housing i won't say who it was but he's a foreign player and he gave me a call at like uh, midnight and it was uh, amidst a snowstorm in January and he said TK I'm locked out of my room and I'm like oh uh, do you reckon you can just crash on your couch or something for the night because there was a bunch of them living in in this house um, with multiple locked rooms that lock and um, he said mm, I don't think I can because I'm I'm naked. I don't have my clothes. <laughs> so <laughs> we send someone round with a, a locksmith round to get his door open for him. And mate, just create some crazy shit we've had to endure to get to kind of the level of professionalism we're, we're nearing, I would say. That, that, that could have been an Instagram firestorm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the neighbors taking, uh, taking Snapchats of him or something. Yeah. <laughs> So switching gears a bit, you know, I've been very lucky to have some great guests on here, including yourself. And I've been asked to guest on a few other great pods as well. A question I get a lot is how does the MLR stack up against other competitions around the world? So my feeling is we could probably hang with most of the clubs in the NPC. Like if, if there was a round robin tournament featuring Major League Rugby's top four teams and the National Provincial Championship in New Zealand's top four teams. How do you think that would go? Where do you think the MLR stands on the global stage this year? Yeah, we've been talking about this quite a lot recently. And I think one of our massive challenges is that we, we get players in for six months and they're professionals for six months. And then they go and do God knows what for six months. And, you know, even our international players, they might play a couple of games, but you know, the, the amount of progress they lose, the amount of momentum they lose over that period is really significant. So I think we're, we're professional for a longer period of time than NPC, like you say, NPC teams. Uh, the, the, and the lower, MP, the lower end NPC teams would have less super rugby players, so less guys training year round. So arguably we're, we're probably more professional in terms of our environment than NPC teams. But the challenge for us is with our, North American players, they haven't played the game long enough to have the the level of skills that, you know, the traditional rugby playing countries have. So th those are pretty much all the variables at play. And I, and I think um, we're getting there, but we, we would like to, you know, see the calendar be furthered 
and to have our hands on players for a longer period of time. But of course, that means more money, which re- which requires in turn more money coming in. Um, and and the whether or not that's realistic is is yet to be seen. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it's really lucky in a way that the MLR season and the MPC uh, MPC seasons don't overlap really. There's they're they're nicely next to each other, so we can have players playing in both. It, that that feels like an advantage for us as a team. Do you think that, that we're taking advantage of that? Oh, massively. Like, where would we get our foreign players if not for that? I guess we would probably be looking to the UK a lot more. Um, there aren't many French players in the league, are there, if any, because A, they don't speak, speak English, and B, they've got about 50 different competitions there, don't they? And they play 26 games a year and get paid a whole lot. Yes, yeah. And then... Um, Argentina, you know, there's a lot of quality players there. They don't have a professional, well, they, they've got a slar team, don't they, I think. Um, yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, like just where would we get our play? Curry Cup no longer aligns well. So you're not right. seeing the, the amount of South Africans come in like you did anymore. It's either one or, or the other, like Wayne uh, Vanderbank and, and LaRue Milan. They could be playing Curry Cup if they wanted, but they, they'd prefer for for their reasons to, to be here. Um, mm. So now we're, except for NPC, yeah, we're, we're clashing and competing for, for players. And yeah, so it's a good point. Uh, it's a good point. But yes, we're definitely taking advantage of NPC. I think there's 132 players, uh, Kiwi NPC players, and or coaches rather. So I guess in terms of total New Zealand rugby IP, there's 132 um members okay. of that union that are now an MLR, which is a huge amount. So yeah. I know there's definitely some some upset an upset or disgruntled or con- disconcerted um, stakeholders within New Zealand rugby, um, particularly in regard to their club game, because obviously if we're taking all the players that are, you know, next in line for Super Rugby, then A, they're not available if, if Super Rugby teams get an injury or B... Oh, wow. Yeah, B, the club game gets massively depleted. So so those are some of the things that are kind of... I hadn't even thought of that. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm sure you probably know my friend Phil and the Jacks Rangers show have been doing their trademark way too early predictions episodes, which I love. Uh, recently, we did our regular season, you know, overall record guesses <laughs> is the best way to put it. Um, we all have pretty favorable expectations of the free jacks i think 12 and 4 was probably the lowest (laughs) estimate out of all of us um do you think that's fair i mean i don't know if you're even you know i don't know if it's in your purview to talk or speculate about that kind of thing um maybe do the fans need to take their feet off the gas a little bit (laughs) um no, like I think it's great to, you know, we should be held to high standards and we want to be held to high standards. And um, we think as a management team that we've got better than we were last year. And obviously there's a lot of it that's, uh, you know, you can control the controllables and you can't control the uncontrollables, can you? So um, it's just a matter of how do all those things play out. And I think some some teams in our conference have got a lot better. Like I think New Orleans have got a lot better um, in particular. Um, DC have got a really good coach on board there. Um, yep. So they'll, they'll be improved. Um, so those are a couple that come to mind in our conference off, off the bat. So, yeah, I think it'll be t- a tougher conference. So t- Toronto are going to probably improve, I, w- I would think. Uh, as well do they have um, any players this year or do we have them all <laughs> well we yeah yeah no comment <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you've just kind of alluded to it there has been a ton of player movement for the free jacks and other teams in the mlr in the off season so in a broad sense how do you see all the i think you mentioned it was like 55 to 45 how do you see these personnel changes impacting the product that we fans are going to see on the field um will you know fans like myself see big differences in style this year i I know that's more of a coach question and also one of my theories is one of my favorite things about coach matthew is 
he's a very like situational coach. He's like, well, this week we're playing this team, so we need to do this. So the game plan, you don't see the same game plan week to week. It's not just this is what we do and you can either fight it or you can't. It seems like we are adaptable. But do you think that somebody like me will see an overall difference in the Free Jacks approach to the games? Yeah, um, I, I think that we've got a pretty embedded um, kind of DNA of our team uh, that will pro that won't that won't change, and and those are the things that we are working on at the moment through preseason and prior to preseason, and with our coaching uh, and management changes in terms of just holding ourselves to a higher level of physical preparedness and uh, our, our mentality and uh, our community. Um, sort of presence, I guess, and all those things that are really important to us. So that so that won't change. And the way you see that on the field is, you know, just a team that's super physical, super hardworking. Um, so I, that part won't change. Um, but I think like Scotty's second year, like you said, Scott and Mike's second year. So they're going to add some what they are adding. Um, or evolving our, our game in, in some certain ways. And like you say, it, it does change week to week depending on your opposition and, and where you're trending and stuff. So, but, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think too much. Um, you know, we'll still try to be really good at the things that we've been really good at and um, be better at them, hopefully. So you might have noticed, I'm a, a, a bit of a nerd <laughs> and uh I, I did kind of a deep dive into our upcoming season. Can I run a couple of numbers by you and see if any of them, you know, are significant or if you even care about them? Go for it. Yeah. So this coming season, if we break it into two halves, for me, we see some interesting things. For instance, first half of the year, we have three home games and five away and obviously the opposite in the second half. So starting question, how big is that? We like to think that Fort Quincy gives us a big advantage but what does that mean to the team that, you know, this isn't France. Our fans expect us to do well on the road. How much does that play into your internal conversations and preparations? Yeah. Um, and it's been sort of, I, I think this is probably, I think listening to one of your podcasts uh, with all of you guys, all of the Rangers, um, the other evening, this is probably the most balanced schedule we've ever had. And so it'll probably it be. Yeah, so we, we've really taken pride. I know as a management group, um, we've taken a lot of pride in traveling well and, and playing well on the road and really preparing to, you know, get in, get out, get the job done on the road has sort of been our mentality. Um, so we, we'll look to, you know, continue that. And it's also good to get out of the cold um, and get to a couple of warmer destinations. So I, I know the players and staff are looking forward to to that um, and playing in some, on some nice grass surfaces at New Orleans and San Diego round one and two will be great. Um, but then, yeah, like you say, then teams have got to come to us, which is you know, no mean feat to come all the way up to the Northeast. You go forward three hours, uh, depending on where you're coming from. Um, and we've got the best fan base in the league. So good luck. Um, hard, agree, hard agree on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So nerd point number two, <laughs> you're going to start to really rise here. If you add up the days of rest we have between matches, if you look at the first half of the season, we have 57 rest days in between matches. In the second half, it's 63. That's that's not a big difference. But six six days of rest is six days of rest. That's not nothing. You know, like how much does rest go into your planning and especially roster selection and so on? Or is that more of a coach question? Yeah, good, good question. I think it's a hybrid question. It's like a bit of a, we've got a new physical performance coach, uh, George Petrakos, who's been with Wasps, um, who's in with us. Um, so, you know, he's all over the, all over that sort of thing. And it's a massive part. Period, periodization, it's probably an area where load management, um, player wellness, it's an area we, we really wanted to make sure we, we improved in this year. So, uh, like you said, I haven't dug the data that like you have there, and it's brilliant. So I might use that in a team meeting soon. Or, or, hey, or write it, write it down I'll, send you the, I'll send you the spreadsheet. Thank you. <laughs> 
um okay and here's where i've probably gone completely overboard if if i haven't already um i actually added up the miles the team is going to need to travel and over the first eight games the free jacks will travel 11,326 miles over the last eight games the free jacks travel 6,534 miles that's a difference of 4,792 Am I completely insane for even thinking that matters? I mean, like, I just think big bodies stuck on planes for long trips. Like, I'm I'm a smallish person, and even I get super uncomfortable on long flights. Do you think about this stuff as part of your preparations and overall player management? Yeah, no, definitely. I think we've got, you know, what teams that have the the luxury. Well, I guess they have home games first. They've got to capitalize on them. Uh, really, because I don't know, maybe a next job for you, Dave, is to go through all all away games um, ever in MLR's history and seeing the the you know the relative score there or the percentage of wins um, and what that looks like. But I'm sure it's nowhere near. Challenge accepted. Yeah, <laughs> good man. Yeah, you can share that with Phil. Um, yeah, so no, it's definitely something we consider and. Um, you know, come. It's also nice for guys and their families for when we come back home. Um, they get to be around their friends and family more. The weather's nice. You know, they're not having to worry about the next weekend and the the, the next flight and back to back to back flights. And yeah, it's a it is a game changer and it's so nice in in Boston and Quincy that time of year. So yeah. So here's the last little bit of my insane deep dive. Um, late in the first half of the season, we played Dallas, who, by the way, I think you kind of alluded to this. I think they're going to be significantly better this year, especially with the massive Argentinian injection they've gotten. I apologize. That kind of sounded gross. Um, in any event, uh, we played them at home. Then we have to fly to Utah, which is almost 2,400 miles away, play the rejuvenated Warriors, Less than a week later, in fact, then we have to fly back home to face a Chicago team that a lot of people see as a legit contender. That's a tough turnaround. And then in the second half of the year, the tough spot to me looks like right at the end in week 14, we're away to Atlanta. From there, we have to go all the way to Seattle. It's not exactly a hop, skip and a jump. And then we have to come all the way back home and face Houston again, just six days later. For you, you know, which of those two little segments is the most worrying, or am I mit- missing a, you know, a bigger rough patch that you're you've already marked out in the calendar? No, that's a uh, very well done, Dave. Um, you might be taking my job off my hands at this rate. Um, <laughs> well, but... I haven't any, won any awards through the University of Otago yet. <laughs> oh, I'll give my mum a call, shall I? Let's see what we can <laughs> Put do. Put in a good word for me. Uh, yeah, we um, we've put in some cool little things to mitigate, you know, some some of those items. Like Seattle is a long way away, isn't it? It's a seven-hour mm. flight, uh, six and a half-hour flight. So, for example, we'll go a day earlier than we typically will when we go out to play Seattle, and, okay. and we try to, you know, so certain times of the of the year you want to get back quicker uh, and be home, and then certain times you just want the players to sleep. And we'll get out when we can, you know. So we we have a fair, a fair bit of say on our flight times, and we get to give some feedback and and request certain sort of times and and stuff like that. So um, yeah, um, yeah, like you say, yeah, Dallas is they're going to be improved, and then away to Utah, that'll be tough at altitude on on a Friday night, and then back to Chicago on the Saturday. Did you say? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's the extra day built in, but you know, everyone is expecting the hounds to be super good. Yeah. So yeah, certainly I think we've got Houston right at the end of the season too, don't we? In our last yep. game. Yeah. And like we know what they're gonna bring, which is a massive physical team. So well, they'll be looking to get their first win of the year that that day. So it could be tough. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and and by, by the way, you mentioned earlier how like NPC players. You can these kind of travel times are not in play if you're playing in the NPC. If you're playing, you know, from the the bottom southern tip of New Zealand to the northern island, uh, you know, to the 
the, the North Island all the way at the top, it's still not going to be a seven hour flight. Um, is that a significant thing for some players versus, you know, players who have been living in the United States? Most definitely, yeah. I think I think a lot of people, foreigners, are quite naive. I said Kiwis can be naive. I think I think sometimes they are to that sort of thing in particular. And a lot of people are very quick to criticise USA rugby, but Jesus, a big continent and a big country, you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, we're we're very lucky to have obviously a, a fantastic partnership with Delta. Where in the past we've been lucky enough to utilise their their lounge out of Boston and get really top class service and I genuinely feel like that's helped us win rugby games so um yeah that's been that's been awesome but certainly we'll be leaning on George this year to you know to um put his potions together and and make sure the players are are well cared for and and plant and sort of well prepared you know all those sort of things like hydration mobility um mitigating the travel like you say because it's a it's a long way I, I know we've played la twice um i remember the first time in the coliseum i remember the first time we played them in the coliseum and our boys were just gassed off their feet mm. um and we I still almost we, won <laughs> yeah well not the first one but the second one. Oh yeah yeah okay yeah Fine. the second the second one we should have won um but the first one we got wiped off the park um so yeah, that was a bit of a wake up call for all of us. I think just uh, yeah, it's it's just yeah, long way. It's a it's a big country. TK, you are the man. I'm so grateful for your time and your expertise. I'm going to go into the short answer section to close this out. Uh, before I do, any key points about the upcoming season? Something I haven't asked you about that you were kind of hoping I would have. What should fans like myself be on the lookout for this year? Uh, yeah, good, good question. Um, uh, I, I guess, um, yeah, we've got some, some new, ad- well, yeah, new additions to the team, which are, which are exciting. We're obviously excited about the Canadian boys, like all of the, all of them are really genuine starter contenders, Connor Keys in the second row, Andrew Quatran, Cole Keith, Hooker and Lucy Prop, respectively. Uh, ben Lesage, obviously Spencer Jones, um, so they're they're great additions and, and guys we I'd ideally see being part of this for you know the um, for the long term really. Um, so they've been great amb- amb- ambassadors of the team and we're we're really pumped about the group of men we've got together and now it's about just creating as many little collisions as possible and you know on and off field and getting to know each other really well and. Um, having a good time, and then then we can do the rugby stuff, you know. So Ben Lasse's had some some great things to say about the organization before he joined us too. That that was a a nice thing for us fans. Um, okay, here is your rapid fire section. Of all the players who aren't coming back this year, who are you know just one or two that you're gonna miss? And I can get you started, Jesse Peretti. He was such a firecracker for us. I feel like that guy would get into a fight with a fire hydrant if it looked at him the wrong way. <laughs> uh, yeah, per, uh, Jesse, the pest, uh, as Phil would call him. I know, this, is actually, a... this is actually a new thing I've come up with. You know, they say there's there's test-level players. I think Jesse is pest-level player. There's test-level players and there's pest-level players. Yeah, I think he's probably both of those things. Yeah, and uh couldn't agree yeah. more yeah he, he's there for the big occasion you know um so yeah players on miss eric diaga comes to mind i think like he just sort of quietly got about his work the last couple of years and um he, he was a he was a really uh, as, as a, a really good man and um and went really well for us and, and put it in. So, you know, he'll definitely be one. Um, and then, I mean, Boiler uh, as well, a really lovable character. Love it. Isn't he? So he'll be, he'll be missed on and, uh, you know, off field uh, as well. He added a lot around the environment. So, yeah, look, I, I've, yeah, really, Harry Barlow, another one too. That's a shame. That, I know. That's you tough. Know, he, I, I'm guessing he got a great job. 
yeah, he he's joining the British Infantry, I believe. So wow, um, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, out of the new players that you've met, at least, who is our new biggest goof? Ah, <laughs> uh, good question. Um, probably Joel Hintz. I'm you... so excited to hear that because I have another one about him in in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Joel and probably comfortably. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if you probably have no reason to check out the Free Jacks website, but they've updated all the, you know, the player pictures and everything. They're all new photos. Joel yeah. Hintz does not give the impression of a goof in his team photo, which instantly made me think, this guy's a serious goof. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, He's not. He's an interesting character, and um, you know we're still all, all getting to know him. But yeah, he he's got up in front of the team, and and uh, he can definitely bring a fair bit of energy to any occasion. I think so. No, he's going to be. be I, I'm sure he'll be a fan favorite. So out of our new players, I just kind of basically at random picked four of our new signings. I just need you to provide one tidbit of insight into what they bring to the Free Jacks. You know. A lot of us fans are already placing a ton of faith in the skills of Jason Potras. What are we going to see out of him this year? Just one word? Oh, yeah, I guess um, you said tidbit of you know, information. A tidbit. It doesn't have to be single, yeah. a single word. Um, I would say experience, composure, um, uh, competitiveness. Um, ex- yeah, like that. That's what he's about. You know, he's the guy. He's a guy that can see the a game alight. He's a real student of the game, um, and he's 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 got a lot of a ton of experience under his belt. Uh, really grounded human being as well. So obviously, we just had him around for dinner uh, tonight with his uh, his partner uh, Nicola and their uh, newborn. So um, they're, they're that's also cool having them in and you know building or adding to our Free Jacks family, if you will. So, yeah. When uh, when Bodine went on Phil's show, he said, oh, yeah. It, well, first of all, he called him Potty, which I think was pretty funny. And then he also said, even though he looks 45, he's probably only 25. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he gets a lot of shit about, you know, he's got no <laughs> hair on the top of his head at least. Um, <laughs> Okay, uh, Mitchell Jacobson. What what will make Mitch stand out this year? Is it Mitchell? Is it Mitch? Yeah, I think um, it is Mitchell, but I think he goes by Mitch most of the time. Um, strikes me as the, the sort of character that wouldn't be too fussed uh, as to wh- whichever one you called him. But, um, mate, I think he's a, he's a great leader, um, a really, really dominant leader sort of presence in the environment and and just got a massive engine uh and uh an eye for finding hard work so that's the sort of sort of bloke and player that that matches and um yeah he's played 10 super rugby games which is not, nothing to scoff at i think he played new zealand 20s for like three years so wow you know he's massively experienced as well so um yeah there's a coop to have much he's one Ben Lesage and Mitch Jacobson, I reckon I've tried to get them on board every year for the last three, if not four years. So oh. um, same with Connor Young, actually. Uh, we were laughing about it that every year I've been on those sort of on those lads and I'm sure there's probably others that I'm omitting there, but wow. uh, I get them on board. Yeah. Are we heading into the TK dream teams year? <laughs> Don't tell Phil that or he'll blast it over social media. That's the last thing we need. <laughs> so uh, the third one is Samisi, and I'm sorry, is it Paya? Is it uh, Paya? What is Samisi going to bring to our table as far as the yeah. projects go? Yeah, Samisi Paya, yep, Tongan International. Um, like he's a he's a real athlete. Um, he's he's a player who can play. Aren't too many who can genuinely play lock or back row. You know. Mm. Um, Love a that. lot of players think they can and a lot of players get made to do it but i think he's a genuine option to play both and play both well um and really good aerial aerialist um which is going to be a huge addition for us uh and then tough as well so you know he's a real enforcer um 
he's he's got it all really. I think he's he's got um you know he's he's a really gifted player and um yeah we'll see what he can do. So last one and you already mentioned him, Joel Hintz. He really intrigues me. I know he was a competitive, I think, power lifter at one point. Apart from that monstrous strength, what else do you see him, you know, bringing to us? What what are we going to get from our new Kiwi prop? Yeah, well, like you said, uh, tight head prop. Um, he's also really, really experienced for someone who's not that old. You know, I think he's, if, if he's not, if he's not 26, he, he can only be 27. Um, and, and he's scrummaged a lot uh, at a high level already. He's been involved in the Wider Hurricanes group and um, played for Canterbury, played for Hawke's Bay. He's had multiple stints of um, holding the Renfrewley Shield. A fun fact about him is that he they give him the shield and call him the sort of the um, the keeper of the shield every time they win what? it. What? Uh, really? Yeah, you have to ask him about it. Um, oh man, he's just sort of the type of character that I feel like you can give it, you can entrust with with that sort of a valuable item, you know. Major League Rugby Rugby needs something along the lines of the Ranfurly Shield. I'm such a fan of that. It's such an extra, just added tier to the competition. It's a whole side thing you can think about while you know your team might not be doing that good, but they might steal the shield. Like I love that. Agreed. Completely agreed. Yeah. Yeah, so that, mate, that's Joel. So, home stretch, final three questions. Number one, who will be the Free Jacks' most improved player this year? It doesn't have to be somebody who, you know, underperformed, just somebody who's already good. Like, I, I think of Mitch Wilson, like, I feel like he's improving in front of our face every single day. Every time I see him, he looks better. Um, who do you think by the end of, I guess, June is going to be the Free Jacks' most improved player? Yeah, good, good question. Um, very good question. Um, one that people might not think that uh, I'm going to say is potentially Isaac Olsen, um, another Canadian international. That's a great shout. Yeah, big, big center. Came in late last year. We bought him in late and probably should have bought him in earlier um, than we did. And he saw the field a couple of times, three or four times maybe, and did did really well, held his own. He's a, he's a massive, massive unit. He's only, I believe he's only 21 still. Um, he's a 102 wow. kilo center wing. Um, and, and he's got a lot of potential. So I think could be a, a big year for Isaac. Um, and we've also got Ethan Fry is another one to probably look out for. Um, Canadian, uh, American eligible back back row. He's got some really good open sides in front of him with Joe and Mitch, um, but his, he'll get a crack this year, I'm sure. Um, so he's another one. And yeah, Zach Bastry is, I think, one rookie of the year for us last year, but yeah. uh, hopefully we see him continue to kick on. So, so at the end of this season... Who is the New England Free Jacks MVP? <laughs> I'm not going to give one name. You know that. I'm going <laughs> to. No, I was kind of hoping you'd give us a, a few. Um, I mean, well, some of our main mainstays are just always MVPs. I, I call them the eternal captain, Josh Larson, you know, John Poland, inscrutable. We've already yeah. talked about Mitch Wilson, like, we have so many nailed on guys. So it, it, it's a tough question. I give you. Oh, no, for sure. And that's, those are great, great selections. My friend, like Josh, Josh Larson's always been in the most valuable player conversation. If not having won it, and like, he won it in 2021. Um, JP. Yep. Another great option. He'll, he'll be there or thereabouts. You'd imagine. Um, our centers had great years last year, Wayne and LaRue. Uh, they'll be, they'll be, um, you know, in the equation as well. Um, and then we've got some really good, we've got some really good front rowers, um, as well. And, um, yeah, mate. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to say. But the great thing about our team, I think, is like, of oh, Vian as well. How could we forget v- Vian? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who who won the player? I believe he won the players' player 
in 2021 and obviously he was only back for a short period last year but I think the good the, the great thing about our team is that um you know we sort of do things as a collective um even though Bodine obviously won the MVP award last year the first thing he got up and said was you know this is a credit to everyone because you know I couldn't have done this without you guys and yeah that's sort of the way we roll at the free drink mm-hmm. so um very final question for you who i should say which team wins the mlr shield this year and why is the answer the new england free jacks <laughs> like a, yeah <laughs> i don't how would scott answer this question um he would probably say that we're gonna uh continue to to um just focus on making ourselves better and i really liked um Phil Harris's uh, Phil Harris's quote that reemerged today: "Get your get your ass in the playoffs. Get your ass in the playoffs, <laughs> and see what happens." And I love that. And I think like that's sort of pretty consistent with us too. Like you know, be in that playoff picture, and then if you if things you know roll right, then you're you're a really good chance. So um, yeah, I mate. Hopefully we can uh, be in that picture again. Whew. Okay. That was a lot. I got to let you go, my friend. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for the season to kick off. I'm, I'm clearly losing my mind as you just, as I just demonstrated to you or what's left of it. TK again, thank you so much. That was a blast. You were always more than generous with your time and your insights. Any final last thoughts before we call it here? Matt, just a massive thank you. Um, for you know it's it's massive it's it really um oh we're nothing without um all the support and and people who care um if no one cared then it wouldn't be very interesting would it so mate thanks for all the <laughs> thanks for all the work you've you've put together and the great questions as well the research i really really appreciate the time you've put into you know oh, continue to well- I also, I made you the miniature model of Fort Quincy. Has Kyle seen it? Has Kyle seen himself in the little tiny hot tub in the corner? <laughs> yeah, mate. I think, I think every, nearly everyone that's walked into the, I noticed Matt McCarthy. If you, if you look at on rugby wrap up, um, that he, he's, he collected a bit of back roll. And that was one of the things that he put in there in his back roll for his show as well. So ah. you check, yeah. You have to check that ah. out. <laughs> I'm embarrassed how much time that thing actually took me to do. Oh, um, good on you, Dan. Thank you. It's a cool. It's still in the conference room, and it's nearly like the the centerpiece of the conference room. Okay, friends, if you haven't secured your seats for the the New England Free Jacks this year, I highly suggest you do so very soon. When you arrive, you will be in for a real treat. We don't just have the best team. We have the best venue. We have the best atmosphere in the league. We have the best festivals every single week. We also don't change our name and team colors every six months. <laughs> so come on down to Fort Quincy. Say hi to me. Say hi to Phil, all the other crazy fans. And above all, this guy right here, TK, he's always going to be there to say hi, to give you his best, because he's just one more microcosmic example of the beauty of this franchise. TK, thank you, my friend, and I will see you in March. Thank you. Let's ride. So, as always, thanks again for coming along to all of you across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And be well. 